In order to be successful with this podcast is promote on social media because that's where people will find it and discover it and I'll become amazingly famous. But it's just not working out because I am terrible at social media. I skipped MySpace and most of the other formats initially. I didn't get Instagram until really late. And then even now, I never look at something and go, I should take a picture of that and then post it so the world should see it. Out of social pressure... I joined Facebook. That was the only reason I joined Facebook. And it was because everyone who was coming to Japan, joining the company I work at, they all were using Facebook as their initial contact and messaging system. So in order to keep in touch with people who were friends or potential friends, I also needed a Facebook account. And it does get annoying after a while when you say you don't have a Facebook account and then people look at you like you are a completely alien being. So you get one. And that is, my friends, how you get old people on Facebook. The thing that solidified my opinion on social media was my first interaction with a stranger on Facebook. I have a very, very common name, uh, both first and last. And when I joined Facebook, about two weeks or three weeks later, someone sent me a message. And the message was, hey, great name, why not join our group? And so it was a group of people named Peter Martin. And this to me was the downfall of all of civilization. This was the problem of social media incarnate. You had people who had no connection, nothing in common, except for the fact that they had a very common, very boring name. And they decided to band together because of this. And I immediately ignored that message. I have successfully done so to this date. I have not succumbed and joined that group. I don't know what they talk about. I don't know what's important to them. I don't want to know. And maybe that's the problem. That's the social aspect I miss is that I often don't want to know about other people's lives, what's going on in them. And that is why I have such a problem with social media. Not problem as in it shouldn't exist or you shouldn't do it, as in I am incapable of engaging with social media the way social media needs to be engaged with. That said, I will probably languish in obscurity until the end of time. How will Bitcoin behave in the future? Well, according to past experiences, the price of Bitcoin will go up and it will also go down. I can also give you my standard movie review, whereas some people liked it and some people didn't. Why is modern poetry 
so bad. Well, I think people don't realize that poetry for the most part is bad. And that's not to say that poetry is bad. That is to say most of poetry that is produced is bad. So you might think, oh, well, back in the 1700s, 1800s, people were producing great poetry. Well, that's not actually true because the examples you get from the 1700s and 1800s, because what you got were the bits that held over, the bits that were good, and the bits that were plucked from the sheer volume of terrible, terrible poetry that was produced. So for every famous poem you have taken from history, you have a mass, a mound, a giant overflowing avalanche of terrible poetry that swirled around it. You have the one poem that was good out of a million that were forgotten. So for every poem that you think is bad now, there were probably a hundred or a thousand produced in the past of the same quality that were just forgotten to time. So poetry back then wasn't better. We just have held on to the one or two examples of good poetry. The same amount of good poetry is probably being produced now. We just don't know it yet because we don't have the benefit of history to wash away all the shit poetry that's being produced by 14-year-olds who are all angsty and just got dumped by their first boyfriend or girlfriend. So it's not that there has been any change in poetry, the quality, or the production. It's just you haven't washed away all the garbage to get to the good stuff yet. So I very specifically, when I started this podcast, did not want this podcast to be a video game podcast. So I have avoided video games as a topic purposely for most of the time I've been producing this podcast. I have jumped into some side topics. Skull stacking was a personal favorite topic, uh, but it actually had very little to do with video games specifically. It was more just about the concept of skulls being stacked in a dungeon. I saw it initially in video games, but it happened in movies and stories and other places. But I wanted to do some video game reviews. Now, I didn't want to talk about the quality of the video game itself. I didn't want to talk about the graphics or what was good or bad, I wanted to make a video game review or even just a review that was generalized enough that it would appeal to everyone. So even if you don't play the video game or video games in general, it would still be an interesting review. So I came up with a new concept for a new type of review. And what I want to talk about is not whether or not the game was good or bad. What I wanted to talk about is what I learned from the video game. So I might actually expand this to movies later. I don't know. It's still sort of a trial phase. This is sort of a new segment I'm doing. So recently I played Sniper Ghost Warrior 3. So as you get from the title, you are a sniper. You are the titular character. I don't know if you are the third sniper in a family of snipers. I don't know if you're Sniper Ghost Warrior the third, which would mean that your father was Ghost Warrior and your grandfather was also Ghost Warrior. But you are, in this case, the titular character of Ghost Warrior Sniper 3 or the third. Now, it is presented to you, the player, as a story of betrayal. The problem is there are only two main characters, you playing one of them and your brother playing the other. So the mystery of who the other incredibly capable sniper is, is not much of a mystery if you take two seconds to think about it. So something I learned about narrative structure is that if you're going to make a story of betrayal, you have to have more than two main characters. And if you remove one of those main characters by you being one of them, you have now given away the whole surprise of when it's revealed that your brother is the person who has betrayed you. 
Something else I learned was that Georgia is a country rife with towers, really well set up for snipers. So if you're a sniper, I think Georgia would be a really good place for you to be, unless you don't like other snipers, in which case they might have a bead on you right now and you don't even know it. So you got to kind of weigh the pros and cons. It's really good if you're a sniper and you want a tower for sniping, but it's really bad if you're a sniper and don't want to be sniped. Something else I learned, and this was very valuable to me in my counter-terrorist unit future, should that ever come up, is that if there are a group of civilians being held hostage by a group of terrorists, you should not use a grenade to try to kill the terrorists to save the civilians because you will then inadvertently kill the civilians because the explosion from a grenade does not discriminate. And this is maybe why the whole sniper concept came to be, is that you as a sniper can pick your targets and not kill the civilians. So I'm not gonna say whether the game was good or bad because that is up for the individual to decide. And so this is my basic new concept. I'm just trying it out. That's why this one was very short. As I play games and watch movies, I might take more copious notes and try to make a more structured review, but I'm just trying this out as a concept. If you like it, please feel free to drop some feedback. I would certainly appreciate if you want more or less of the same. So recently a Fallout themed rum was released. Uh, it's just sort of a tie in to almost nothing. It's in between games right now. So it's sort of just keeping the brand alive. That's quite nice. Really the appeal is the bottle. The bottle is shaped kind of like a rocket. It's shaped like the Nuka-Cola bottles in the game. And I thought, oh, that would be a nice thing to have. I enjoy rum, so I'll get it. I actually buy a lot of sort of novelty alcohols when they're released. I tried to get the Godzilla one, but it sold out in the first couple of minutes, so I didn't actually get in on it. But I got in on this one because everyone can get in on this one. They're basically taking orders for X amount of time, and then when that time runs out, they will decide how much rum they're gonna make and then bottle it and send it off. So I'm gonna get that in November. After I bought this incredibly overpriced product, it took me to a merch page, and the merch page had a t-shirt, and the t-shirt was way cooler than the rum. So if I'd known the t-shirt had existed, I probably would have just bought the t-shirt and not bought the rum and saved myself pff, perhaps $100, I don't know. Because the rum itself is 70 bucks, but to get it from North America to Japan cost me another 50. So I'm paying a crazy amount of money for probably very, very little rum. And I thought, wow, for that much money, I should get a free t-shirt or something. So in the merch comment box, which sent directly to the studio, I was like, hey, uh, I noticed you have t-shirts. It'd be really nice if you included one of those in with my bottle, just trying to get myself a free t-shirt. I did get a response and the response was, Nuka Dark Rum is sold separately. We promise it wasn't our intention to taunt you with the merchandise. Stay tuned to our website and social media pages for updates on merch availability. Now, that wasn't the answer I wanted. The answer I wanted was, hey, loyal customer who spent way too much money on a stupid product, we're gonna give you a free t-shirt because you asked. I mean, that's what I was looking for. But now I had someone's email address, someone who worked at the company, so I thought I should craft a response, put a little effort in, and maybe then I'll get my free t-shirt. Here is my response to the poor, poor person whose job it was to respond to me. Thanks for your prompt reply, Judy. If I may, I'd like to tell you a story. You see, Judy, I drink. That's why I bought the rum. Sure, I'm a fan of video games and have a Peter Pan complex, and I won't admit I'm going through a midlife crisis, but buying this rum was just to cover up a sad fact of my life. Judy, Judy, I have the ugliest chest known to humankind. I know it's a shocking thing to learn, but it is a reality I have dealt with my whole life. 
You are probably imagining a few wispy chest hairs, Judy. And while I suffer from that as well, chest hairs can be shaved, Judy. They can be shaved. Not all problems can be shorn away so easily. Imagine, if you will, Judy, the palest of white men. Now, whatever you're thinking, this is way worse. Not just someone who burns easily in the lightest of dewy morning sunshine, but as if one of my parents was a jellyfish, almost transparent and white at the same time. When I lie, you can literally see my heart speed up, the actual organ. Yet that in itself was not enough to drive me to bouts of responsible alcoholism with which to numb my personal pain. Sure, a stifling relationship with my father pushed me in that direction, and never having a dog approach me didn't help. Judy, after our single email exchange, I feel we have a deep and intimate relationship, primarily because you are obligated to read this and remain polite in some way in order to collect your monthly or bi-monthly remuneration from silver screen bottling, most likely a registered trademark. And for that, I feel you deserve every cent you receive. No one should be subjected to this, but fate has brought us together so we can forge into the future and create change. For I have yet to reveal the horrible truth, Judy, the horrible truth horrible truth. If you choose to read no further, I understand. If you can't bring yourself to respond to this email, I understand. The world is full of hard truths not so easily turned away from. The fact is, Judy, not only do I have the curse of the ugliest chest in all of humankind, but I have also never owned a shirt. You see, every time I approach a merchant of fine torso covering apparel, Judy, they avert their eyes. They will not serve me. Thus, rum has served to close my eyes to the hard reality that exists in the mirror every day, is forced on me in every reflective surface, to the jeers I get on the street of, Hey! No shirt guy! Ew! Get a shirt. I would, Judy. I would if I could. Now, here we are, Judy. You are untouched by bias and have access to a medley of frame-covering tunics while I shiver in the cold Nagoya, Japan night, 35.1814 degrees north, 136.9064 degrees east. The incredibly overpriced rum I have purchased will soften the cold night, sure, and demonstrate that I have poor decision-making skills. But a Nuka rum-branded shirt could solve all those problems. Perhaps yours too, Judy, because the universe is mysterious and love is apparently the fifth element. I didn't really get that part of the movie. I leave this for your consideration. Have a great day, Judy. Thanks for your time. Peter, the ugliest chest in existence, Martin. And then I plug my podcast. If I do actually get a free t-shirt, I'll let you know. If I get a response from the company or Judy particularly, Judy, I'm actually sorry you had to go through that, but if you respond, I can guarantee I'm gonna respond again with another email that's probably twice as long. I will update if anything happens. If nothing happens, I will at least post you when the rum arrives, but that, again, won't be till November. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast.